The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In today's message, we go back to the book of Hebrews, beginning in chapter 3. We've said before that the theme of the book of Hebrews could be summed up in one word, better. The word better occurs 11 times in Hebrews in reference to Jesus or the new covenant. We saw from chapter 1 that Jesus is better than the angels. In today's message, we begin looking at the concept in chapter 3 that Jesus is better than Moses. Moses was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, at least in the estimation of the Jews of Jesus' day. And yet the law that he brought could never perfect those who were under the law. Only Jesus could keep the law and fulfill it to a jot and to a tittle. And furthermore, since Jesus himself was God, that made him the lawgiver, the creator of the law. And the creator is always much greater than the creation. Join us today and tomorrow as we look in chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews at how Jesus is better than Moses. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Shut 
chapter and look at a few verses there if the Lord will be our helper just for a few minutes beginning there in verse 1 Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 wherefore holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and high priest of our profession Christ Jesus who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all his house for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, but Christ as a son over his own house. Whose house are we? if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing 
of the hope firm unto the end. We've made this comment more than once since we've been in the book of Hebrews, but the, the theme of the book of Hebrews could easily be summed up in one word, better, better. That word occurs 13 times in the book of Hebrews alone. Uh, 11 of those times is referring to either Christ or the new covenant. In Hebrews 1 and 4, we're told he's better than the angels. In Hebrews 7 and 19, he talks about a better hope. <laughs> Hebrews 7 and 22, a better testament. Hebrews 8 and 6, a better covenant with better promises. Hebrews 9, 23, he talks about better sacrifices. Hebrews 10, 34, a better and enduring substance that we have waiting on us in heaven. In Hebrews 11 and verse 16, he talked about the better country that those sojourners and strangers were looking for. In Hebrews eleven thirty-five, he talks about a better resurrection. He talks about later on in that chapter, verse 40 of chapter 11, about God having provided some better thing for us. And over in chapter 12 and verse 24, he talks about the, the new covenant is speaking better things than that of Abel, or the blood of Christ speaking better things than that of Abel. So better is clearly the theme. And it is just that it's not that there was something wrong with the old covenant. There wasn't anything wrong with the law. The law was perfectly fine. It was absolutely perfect. In fact, that was the problem with the law. <laughs> is that it was too perfect, and you had to be perfect to keep it. And someone, you know, the purpose, what was the purpose of the law? What was the purpose of all those sacrifices? Turn over sometime to the ninth chapter, I believe it is, of Hebrews, and he'll talk about it, that that was a remembrance of sins. It reminded them that they were sinners in need of a sacrifice. And ultimately, that sacrifice was Christ. Now, in our text that we read tonight, the word better is not used but the sentiment is the same the sentiment is that Christ as God is better than Moses or any other prophet so let's for the time we have just look a little bit tonight about specifically how Jesus is better than Moses in his per person and work he says here to consider some things consider well let's let's first consider the prophet Moses Let's consider him. And he was indeed a great prophet. Uh, you go back through the, the Gospels and you'll see that the Jews were always bringing Moses up. And you go back in history and just look at the historical data and you'll see that Moses was the greatest of all the prophets to the Jews. He was a great, in fact, Moses was so great that he was one of the two that appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration to Christ when Christ appeared in his glorified form. He was a great prophet. There was a sense in which he, was, he served as a mediator. You know, if you go back to Exodus chapter 19, look, look with me just for a minute back over there. Uh, as they approached that great mount of, the, of where the law was to be given, Mount Sinai in chapter 19, we're told that, uh, uh, that, that, that Moses approached that mountain on Mount Sinai, and we're told in verse um, Verse uh, 17, Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount, and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses 
up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. Moses went up on the top of this fearsome mount, this scary place. I mean, the people were afraid in chapter 20 over here in verse uh, 18, after he came back down and, and uh, to off, of the, off of the top of the mountain, it said all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said to Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear. But let not God speak to us or with us lest we die. <laughs> and Moses made intercession in a sense. He was a mediator for them between them and God and the giving of the law. Ultimately, he would be a mediator for them when, when uh, God uh, threatened to destroy them and raise up of Moses a great nation. Because if you recall, it just shows you how human nature is. And sometimes I know you and I both, we look back at the Old Testament and we look at the wanderings of the na nation of Israel and, and how unfaithful they were. And we think to ourselves, how in the world, could, after seeing the waters part and the mountains smoking, how in the world could they go back to their old ways? Well, I don't know about you, but I've seen the waters part and felt the mountains smoking and felt the strong spirit of the Lord right here in this church. On many occasions, and I've still gone back to my old ways, back when soon as the lights are off in the church and my feet hit the pavement, I end up back in my old ways so many times. We can't, the children of Israel hadn't got anything on us. <laughs> I don't know if you've examined your life lately or not, but I, I, I examine mine regularly and it, it comes up short every time. But you see, he was kind of a mediator there. He prayed for them when the Lord, you know what happened was <laughs> after all of that, when Moses was gone 40 days and 40 nights, you know, you know the biggest enemy of God's people is time. Time. The passage of time. You know, there's time. Right now, I feel the Lord's spirit, Brother Craig. I feel like he's right here with But just let a little time pass, and I forget about that. See, let 40 days and 40 nights pass since the last time they saw Moses, and they said, well, it's just no hope, you know. If something's done happen to Moses, it's time for us. We've got to go back, make us some gods, Aaron. Here's our gold and our treasures and our silver and all the stuff we have. Just make us some gods and we'll go back to Egypt and, and we'll get right back where we were. Because we can see those things. You see, isn't that, isn't that the way we are? I, walking by faith is the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest. It's, it's easy for me to walk by sight. When people are continually joining the church and we're baptizing people right and left and I'm seeing the growth and I'm experiencing the growth, it's, it's easy to follow the Lord at that point. You know when it's hard? It's when, it's when the famine comes. When, when the Lord is, when you're, when you're dining at the table of the Lord and everything is great and everything is good, it's easy to stay in Bethlehem. But when the famine comes, when the famine comes, like a limelech, I tend to want to take my, my family and go back down to Moab. Go somewhere else where it, I heard it's some good stuff going on over there. Boy, I tell you what, those churches in the world are growing. They're having their small groups and they're having their concerts and they're, they're opening new campuses all the time. I need to, there's a famine over here in, the, in, the, in the, the Bethlehem in the house of bread. I better pick my family up and go over there to those churches of the world. Go down to Moab. Don't do that, child of God. Amen. Don't do that. You know, <laughs> this happened to the Ephesians. It happened to the Ephesians. Paul wrote one of the greatest letters. I, I shouldn't say it that way. All the letters are great and all the Bible's great. But, 
But as you know, we tend to go to the book of Ephesians quite a bit. The book of Ephesians is such a wonderful book. It's such a wonderful letter. The first three chapters primarily are doctrine. And then starting in chapter 4 through chapter 6, the last three chapters are primarily practical application of that doctrine. Did you know that, <laughs> that the Lord has provided a roadmap for even your marriage? For even your marriage, for even the day to day. You know, you know where the you know where the kingdom of God is most applicable and sometimes least applied? It's in our homes. It's in our day to day. It's every day, the slogging away at the daily tasks where we tend to that's where I have problems. I don't I don't have a problem here at church, generally speaking. Uh, of, of, of losing my temper and ha having little patience and, and being snappy and being difficult to deal with. When I'm here, I put on my best, Brother Mackey. I want, I, want to, I want to promote peace in the church. You know where I let down? It's at home. It's at home. I don't know if that's your experience or not, but that's mine. That's where I struggle the most. And that's where we're supposed to apply the principles of the kingdom of God the most. And there is a print, there is a roadmap, there is a path laid out in the Word of God how to strengthen our marriages. What does he say? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. <laughs> I've never had a problem in my marriage that was caused by me loving my wife like Christ loved the church. I've had problems in my marriage that were caused by me loving myself more than I love my wife. <laughs> Focused upon my own things. I've never had a problem with any of my children when I treated them like Christ treats us, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave us. No, I've had problems when I've forced the issue, when I'm going to bow up and make sure that they know I'm daddy and they're not. <laughs> you see, you can get, we're going to get real personal here if I don't shut up. I'm going to move on to something else. But let me just say that he laid it out for us on how even the very details of the day-to-day -day of our lives should be conducted. So the, 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 word of, the Word of God is amazing. The Word of God is, is, is awesome. Moses gave the law. He was a mediator. He gave the law. He was the greatest of all the prophets. In fact, at the end of his life, the Bible confirms his faithfulness. In Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 10, he said, There arose not a prophet since in Israel, like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Now, that doesn't mean he, he couldn't look upon his face, you know, directly and live, but God talked to him one-on-one, -on -one, you see. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his service, to all his land, and in all that mighty hand and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. He was the greatest of all the prophets. He was indeed biblically confirmed a great prophet. But he was nonetheless still a sinner. Still a sinner. We're not going to dig into all the details, but... Go back to Exodus chapter 4 sometime and see that after God and he, after, he, after he encountered God on the holy ground surrounding the burning bush and agreed to go back and to, and, to, and to take the message of deliverance to Israel and to face the greatest king in that day, Pharaoh of Egypt, he failed to circumcise his own son and the Lord sought to kill him. 
he didn't even follow himself what he was supposed to be preaching to others. Boy, I, that convicts me. <laughs> that convicts me as a preacher. Sometimes that's where I find myself. He, he was still a sinner. In Numbers chapter 20, you go over there sometime and read about it, beginning about verse 8. God said, take this rod and speak to the rock, and water will come out. And Moses got mad. You know, I've never, I, most of the problems in my life I can trace to being angry. Most of the problems in my life have been caused by me losing my temper and lashing out. And that's what Moses did. He lost his temper. He said, okay, you rebels. He was mad at the children of Israel for murmuring. And I get that. I get frustrated when people won't do right. But then I forget about the fact that I'm one of those people. <laughs> and he took his rod and instead of speaking to the rock, he smote it twice. You say, that's not any big deal, is it? Well, it's, it wouldn't have been a big deal except God said, speak to it. But be that as it may, the penalty was he didn't get to go into the promised land. God punished him. God chastened him by keeping him from going into the promised land. See, he was a sinner. But what he was doing throughout his prophecy, throughout his life's work, was pointing them to one much greater than himself. In Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15, he wrote, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet, capital P, prophet, from the midst of, the, of, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Now, the Jews read that, but the Jews didn't get that. But both Matthew uh, and, uh, in, or in the book of Acts, rather, both Peter and Stephen confirm that that's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in John chapter 1, when Jesus was just beginning to call his disciples out. We're told that Philip went and found Nathanael and said to Nathanael in John chapter 1 and verse 45, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He said, We found the one that Moses had been writing about. Moses was great, but he was writing about one that was greater. In fact, John, uh, Jesus himself in John 5, 39 said, You search the scriptures. The scriptures were the books of Moses, all of the books of the prophets and the wisdom literature. Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. The Jews thought that was the pathway to heaven. Beloved, I want to say to you today, there are people that think that keeping the law is a pathway to heaven. Maybe they don't believe you've got to keep the Mosaic law, but you've got to keep some law. The law of we've got to confess and believe, or be baptized, or let go, or hold on, or or outrun the devil till you die, or something of something you've got to do, that is law service. In the 15th chapter of Acts, there came some uh, Jews over there that were telling uh, the Galatians and others that they had to keep the law of Moses and be circumcised in order to go to heaven, in order to be, really be Christians. Peter said, why place ye a yoke upon the disciples that neither we nor our fathers were able to bear? He knew they couldn't keep the law. Peter knew it very personally. Because Peter is the one who famously denied Christ three times. Openly there, warming his hands by the coals of the fires of this world. He was in the wrong place. He should have been right there with Jesus. Should have been at his feet. Should have been hung. He should have been crucified with him. You know, there wouldn't have been anything wrong with Peter going to the cross and being crucified alongside Christ. There wouldn't have been anything wrong with there being four crosses up there. Not let me back up and say it this way. I understand that Jesus had prophesied already that all would forsake him. So I realize that 
that wouldn't have happened. But I'm telling you, if Peter had done what he ought to do, he'd have been crucified just like Christ. Now, Peter's crucifixion wouldn't have, not one drop of his blood would have made any atonement for, not, for even one part of one hundredth of a part of one of his sins. He'd have just died like Christ. But, beloved, we ought to be crucified with him. We ought to be willing to die for the cause of Christ. It won't put away our sins. It won't do anything for eternity, but it sure will do something for you here. <laughs> I, I admire those old martyrs. I look up to those old martyrs. They encourage me when I face the little bit of persecution that I face in this world today. Now, that little bit of persecution that we have today may turn into a great amount of persecution soon. I worry about that. I've talked recently with one of our dear brothers, uh, Brother David Crawford, about a visit he made over to Scotland not too long ago, and he, he, he ended up in the home of a preacher over there who was standing firm on the issues of the day. Uh, he, particularly, he was standing against the homosexual agenda and openly preaching about it, and he was being threatened by the local prosecutor for prosecution for hate speech. That may be coming. But I tell you what, that has nothing compared to those old saints that were torn apart in the Colosseum, that were lit on fire in Nero's garden, that were beheaded, that were crucified for the cause of Christ. We ought to be willing to do that, but we understand that not one blood, drop of blood that we shed has any efficacy whatsoever for our eternity, for our eternal redemption. But Peter ought to have been willing to do that. He ought to have been prepared to do that, but... Jesus said that the law service won't save you. He said, you can search the scriptures. You can be diligent. You can die like those martyrs. You can keep the law, but it won't get you to heaven. He said, they point to me. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.